Okay, here we go. After party. Forgotten Hive version. Uh, this is uh... the what? What hive? I forgot. Uh, well, it's Forgotten Hive, right? Yes. 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 <laughs> Elena was trying to make a joke. John. Don't throw me off. I'm old. <laughs> Who's been having blood, honey, tonight? Anyone? So that's uh, Emily took us through uh, the Forgotten Hive. That's uh, one of the Goodman Games modules. If you've ever seen those at any of the conventions or, or ran across them, the Goodman Games make some pretty cool little one-shot modules. Uh, leave a lot open for the DM to be able to go in and add stuff in or tweak it quite a bit, but uh, they give you a good baseline. Uh, this one, The Forgotten Hive, was written by Bob Brinkman. Emily, we got this one at Gen Con, I think, and Emily's been uh, ran a few people through it before we did our recording. And uh, I'm sure we did better than everybody else, right? Uh, we won. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you have two yep. other one-shots to compare it to, or one? Two. That's the, you guys were my third. At the Incorrigible Party convention. Yes, I did two different groups at the uh, IPCon, and we play, meant to play this one a lot sooner than we did, but things happen, as they always do, and finally got it done. We can't blame Emily at all. She's a pro at this one-shot. It's all our fault. Yeah, I know. It was great. I mean, you were... Uh, we got a few comments saying how comfortable uh, you, it seemed, uh, how, uh, how you were, and wow, that's stuff the shit. We got quite a number of comments <laughs> about how, how comfortable it seemed you were, Emily, running this one shot. Unlike as comfortable as I feel right now. Please don't edit yourself out. I know you have editorial control, but you just can't. Yeah, you <laughs> Two practice runs so that I could uh, really bring it home for y'all. Yeah. Did we cross the river better than anyone else? That's like the main. <laughs> Surely. Rivers are so hard. <laughs> I, I, I was I was thinking I'm putting together, potentially putting together our Christmas episode. And all I want to do is put rivers and canyons. And you guys have to get from one side to the other. We'll have probably 10 episodes. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be till next Christmas by the time I get out. Riveting content. <laughs> and then at the end, Leland will just misty step over and we'll be like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, that was absurd. I couldn't believe it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's ridiculous. <sighs> so, Emily, you had mentioned, too, uh, in uh, when we started recording in part one that you had upped the level for us, right? This is normally a level one adventure. Correct. It's normally a level one. I made it level three so to because uh, level three characters are more fun. And I was concerned uh, that I might have made it a little too difficult. But basically, I mean, I, I blame you, Leland, for that because <laughs> you pretty much only had three players instead of four for most of the combat. <laughs> Actually, no, I, I blame Bill. Yeah. Listening back to it, I totally blame Bill. Emily, you made us investigate this stinking hive. Hey, the blood honey was fantastic. It just probably shouldn't have been encouraged for um, Leland's character. To, what was your character's name again, Leland? Blender. Not Fridge. <laughs> Blender. Yes, yes. Uh, did you just mistake Blender for Fridge? You know how hurt he would be? <laughs> Which one? Which Blender one? or Fridge? <laughs> both. I feel like they both might take it as an insult. Yeah. Both offended. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I do somewhat regret trying to get you guys to go investigate the tree, but it was for story point more than to get you to get the blood honey. I wanted you to get the story about the, the tree being dead and being infested. No, I'm, I'm, I think it was good. I'm glad we did it. I think it <laughs> added to the story and the blood honey was a lot of fun. Did make things funny. <laughs> I loved it. I d- the, <laughs> the melee aspect of it, I think. Yeah. I didn't realize it, that until like, the final play session <laughs> that, <laughs> that the wizard was being forced to do melee the whole time. Uh, it went right over my head. Uh, you know, one thing I would like to complain about uh, this adventure. Just one? Arguably. Just, oh, just one. Arguably, this place is not forgotten because the Dryads know, knew about it. They were like, oh, no, we got to do something. This forgotten hive Pish posh. It's more like the remembered <laughs> hive. And the dryad yeah. setting us on the suicide mission. <laughs> forgotten by everybody else, though. The rest of the world forgot about them. If you forget about a tree in the woods, does the tree still exist? Depends on whether it's a dryad or not. <laughs> if it's a dryad, it's useless. <laughs> it can, it can remember learned. itself. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember when we all sat down and started playing. There were large chunks of time where Emily got no words in, and we just kept going. (laughs) I love it, though. It's like Leland said before. I love it just sitting back and listening to you guys go. Yeah, I think we we did a lot of that. This uh, it was it was fun. I had a I had a blast playing it, and almost as much, or maybe even more fun listening back. There was a lot of things I forgot that just cracked me up. And it was it's. I learned. So the first few times I tried to DM you guys, I tried to get you back on track. I tried to keep the things going. And like this time, I'm like, I'm just going to let you go. Just see what <laughs> yeah. happens. So you peter out, then we can move it along. <laughs> just watch the accidents happen. Yeah, you'll find the track again eventually. <laughs> it's all good. This particular uh, adventure is actually pretty well suited for that because like everywhere kind of, it's either leads to a dead end or it's going to wrap around to where... We're ultimately going anyways, <laughs> yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. the map, it, like it felt very extensive as we were uh, kind of, I mean, I, we were dungeon crawling through this this map and uh, it, it felt larger than it, I think, ultimately ended up being once we, you know, we because I think you you uncovered it for us at the very end of it, right? I, I'm not sure, was there any significant areas that we actually didn't really get to? I've, I I don't think you explore the uh, cobalt area as much and kind of like in the first bit off to the right side was a whole cobalt cavern. Oh, we didn't go in there at all. I don't think we met any cobalts at all, did we? Cannibalistic cobalts down there that have been trapped for centuries or however long this cave system had been closed off. But the challenge for me for this one was more keeping you from getting to the end right away so like trying to herd you in different directions so you didn't just go straight to the queen and and make it make it so you could see more of the cavern system if buzz was with us he would have known where the queen was right away (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's when you say you hear something down this passageway but then when you're dealing with us i go well let's avoid that (laughs) or i put lizards (laughs) in place Yeah. yeah to try and deter you from going yeah I had a lot of fun listening back. When there's a long time between when we play something and when it releases, it's like a whole new re- experience. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I forgot about that. 
Well, there, there was one, uh, one thread in the first couple of parts that I was trying to RP for Blender and about how big Blender thought Chedbar was. That Blender just like thought Chedbar was giant. And I think I had like one like throwaway line that kind of mentioned it. And then I just never stuck or followed through with it. Because <laughs> like everybody but Chedbar is an actually small sized race, right? Chedbar was small for his size, yes, as a drow. Small for a drow and, a, and as a fighter, as Bill had mentioned. But I think there was one, when, right at the beginning of part one, we were talking about the how big the wasps were and Blender's like oh well size is, size is just a uh, is you know uh, size is uh, you know in the eye of the beholder look at my thumb compared to Chedbar's giant thumb <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. something stupid like that <laughs> uh, the, the, the geeky nerd was good I liked it I like Blender he was fun even with the even with the blood honey I think that Chedbar and Galora were so similar, but we made them separately. We were not together choosing fighters, choosing mi- moonshine swords. Not moonshine. What's the freaking word? Uh, Your Mars touched? sword in my moon touched. Yes. We ended up having the same freaking items. Like I think it, if you look at like what what was available from, for us to pick from, it was probably like the best this swords made sense because i did tell you guys to be small and you're going to be in dark places so either have something that emits light or you can see a dark vision Freaking drow here can see fine yeah but it, it's always nice to be able to light the way for if there's anyone else in your party who can't see so if it did come across as childish competition between chedbar and myself i mean that was just elena and bill drama seeping into the role play <laughs> sorry i didn't think listener. so my sword that's much brighter than your sword. <laughs> I said it every freaking time. <laughs> Being a fighter was uh, new to me. Never played one before. Have you played? Oh, you've played one before, Bill. I think this is the first time I've played one on the show, but yeah. And I've n- never been a halfling before either. It's kind of fun. Got to re-roll a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you re rolled some, some ones a couple at least twice, right? During Yeah, that. more than once. <laughs> I know that. Oh, I think we had terrible rules, especially trying <laughs> yeah. to get up that trying to pull me up. Yes. <laughs> I mean that took like a whole episode, didn't it? <laughs> I believe at one point I did say it's not me making this hard, it's you guys making this hard. I mean <laughs> You were telling him how expensive these things were, and he's been saying treasure, treasure every five seconds, so. Actually, it wasn't, like, great. I mean, it's only, what, silver, silver. pieces. A silver. Yeah, it, 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 I thought it was, it was 20 years, 20 yeah, silver that was more. Like, I thought it was, like, 20 silver each, and there was, like, a thousand of them So that's not terrible. There. Yeah, <laughs> so and there's a million of them, so you're like, okay, that's <laughs> decent. I don't yeah. It, yeah, but I can't remember how many I got. A bag. It was obviously big. <laughs> <laughs> What's the conversion from silver to gold? Ten. Ten. Yeah, factors of ten. No, that was fun. Trying to climb up that and trying to go across the river. Those were my probably two of my favorite What parts. were Vegas's plans for Frank the fish? Mm. I kept. I couldn't think of what you called it. It's, it's the fish that sings because you made oh, him smile. The, yeah, the largemouth bass. bass thing or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't remember the... I thought it was Don't Worry, Be Happy. There's a song that it sang, but I think it was something else. Is that it? 
Or no, take me to the river. Isn't there one that says take, take me, me to the, to the river? river. <laughs> Put me in the yeah. water. <laughs> exactly. And you said you made a smile. And I'm like, yeah. you know, Biggest is an opportunist to sell stuff. And I'm like, yeah. hey, I got, there's money in that. And, <laughs> I almost convinced my mom to let me get one of those when I was young. But I think she made the wise decision and said no no we're not getting that <laughs> just, you, you usually just put them up in the bathroom in their motion sensor right so they start singing yeah. and someone goes to take a shit yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> see bill you could have got one of those that'd be worth five dollars today exactly <laughs> so emily uh how different i guess maybe if there there weren't any differences but how different do you think you as the the GM were in your three games, like group to group to group. How much pivoting per group Mm. did you feel like you had to do or was just kind of a nature of the the pre-written adventure? Did it really just kind of allow all three groups to kind of just do whatever and then eventually we're going to get to this final outcome? Because you, I mean, like you had said, what your main goal was to, prevent us from getting there too quickly more than anything right correct one of the first two groups bypassed entirely the whole room with the story about the uh dryads defeating the malta and locking them down under there um so i wanted i tried to make sure you guys saw that and i think it was that same group pretty much went not in a direct line to the queen but almost so (laughs) I was, yeah, so that made me, like, rethink how to try and make you guys see more of the cavern. I don't, I think just because of the nature of it, the fact that there's only so many places you could go, it's not an open world. It is a dungeon crawl. Really limits the variability. So, I mean, like you said before, you're going to go left or right, but eventually you're going to end in the middle. So, it's really not that different, but... One group uh, spent a lot of time in with the Cobalts and explored that whole area that you guys didn't even see. It it, it went fairly similar similarly each time. I think it wasn't a, many big variations. And I believe each group I had to lure into the Dryads area because you could go left or you could go right or you go down the middle and go straight to the Dryad, and everybody went either left or right. So I had to lure everybody back to the Dryad. Well, you're, you're lucky the dryad sounded like a death shroud then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Because otherwise, we never would have went down there. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was dying. <laughs> See? See? Blender knows his stuff. <laughs> Blender's, blender sound effects drowning were pre- I, they were pretty good. <laughs> I completely I forgotten about that until I was during the. You're just like taking like, oh on God, water, and then this. you're like, oh, chilly. Like you're like, oh, I can miss you step. <laughs> it was so good. And then you just got a, us fools on a rope trying to subdue <laughs> each other. Sorry. Any of the other groups uh, licking a ooga hole? Oh, an ooga? No. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody licked no, it come up. <laughs> no, no other wizards were high on blood honey the whole time. <laughs> how? How? I mean, how much of an effect did the blood honey have in some of your, the other play groups? Did everybody find them and take some blood honey? I don't think so. I'm trying to remember. I know at least one group did not. I think. Yeah, I think one group did get it, but they used it sparingly they didn't use it as much as you guys did 
<laughs> I mean, what? So, so the the positive side of the blood honey is you don't like if you were to, if you were to have disadvantage on a check, you don't have disadvantage essentially, right? Like that's pretty much uh, from what I can recall, anyways. So I'm just wondering, like, how actually beneficial is that as a substance, anyways? Like, right. <laughs> Like if you're good at melee, you're good at melee anyway. I like, thought I it was yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're already going to be in melee, like you'll be up there. Yeah. You don't need blood yeah. honey to put you into a frenzy to put you up there. Yes, it's more of a negative thing, isn't it? Really? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it also states in in the description that it does not affect the maltods, right? Fungi are immune, yeah, to the negative effects. Oh, so the maltod could down it themselves and get only the positive side of it. Right. So we would have been really stupid to try to lure them into, trick them into eating it <laughs> or something <laughs> they, stupid like that. They would have avoided all disadvantage effects for 10 uh, minutes. Okay. We would have got biggest of that rope a lot faster probably if we had given <laughs> him some. <laughs> <laughs> we all should have been having some. <laughs> scrabbled right over the edge. <laughs> the blood honey was one of my favorite things listening back, to be honest. I thought it was hilarious. Just the way that you were really pushing it on people there. Blender <laughs> was acting when he got it. Oh man, killed Well, me. I mean, shortly <laughs> shortly after the party uh returned home after exploring the Forgotten Hive, the blood honey runs out and Blender went into severe withdrawal right. afterwards. <laughs> severe. He's been trying to replicate the recipe ever since. It's just sweating and shaking. You gotta have those chunks he's of meat. Quite the beekeeper. <laughs> yeah, he's got his own own little all white wasp hive. He keeps now. <laughs> he's fed it all sorts of flesh, and it just doesn't it doesn't come out right. That brings about a very interesting thing that I don't know how we never thought of this. Do wasps make honey? I thought it was just bees that make honey. These are special wasps. I've never heard of a honey wasp. I've heard of a honey bee. Okay, well, now i got to Google it. <laughs> Look, you don't ask. You don't ask these questions. I've heard of a honeydew. <laughs> My immersion is shattered. <laughs> there are 17 species of wasps known as honey wasps. Oh, there you Which go. store nectar and honeydew as means to help the colony survive during challenging foraging conditions. No way. Okay. And all we have at our house is carpenter wasps tearing up our porches. No, those are carpenter bees. But okay, yeah, that's well, interesting. You learn something new every day. Wasp bees. <laughs> I ain't never heard of a carpenter wasp before. <laughs> there, there, shh, there are there are twenty one different types of carpenter wasps. <laughs> They're gonna hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have uh, what's the levels of a uh, apprentice that you would go through for the carpentry? You know? <laughs> Those are all the different types of carpenter wasps. There's an understudy, and then there's the apprentice. The ones that are unionized are the worst. Can't ever get rid of them. Wasp unionized, watch out. Not even buzzing around, just sitting down. Yeah, they barely dig any (laughs) holes in your wood. Leland, do you like buzz or blender better? Which one's better? I think uh, I like Blender better because Buzz's voice is just too annoying. <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, like my favorite one shots to listen back to are what was the one with Buzz? It was Emily Run, right? Was that the Bad Places or the Red Wolf or No Buzz? Buzz was Archmage. Oh, Archmage! Archmage's right. Lost Highway, which was another Goodman Games module. 
Yeah. Okay, so Archmage and Forgotten Hive are like my two favorite to listen back to so far. So I'm your favorite to listen to is what you're saying. Um, That's what I heard. I'm fine with that. That's what she's saying. (laughs) (laughs) So the Heartwood staff. Yes. How much do you wish you had rolled better on that roll so you knew what it did so that you could use it more? That's what became a dagger, right? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I don't think it would have mattered because (laughs) Blender would not have had the faculties about him to use it. Like I guess that's true. <laughs> so minus blood honey plus heartwood staff that can entangle, good berry, speak with animals, or do thunder. Oh, we could have talked to the bats. Plus one bonus to attack and damage rolls. What is do thunder? What you, what you, it's a cast spell. Oh. cast thunder. <laughs> it's like do thunder. Right? Thunder. What, what, is, what is thunder? I don't think I know that spell. I'm going to clap a thunder out to 200 feet. Target makes a DC 15 con save or becomes stunned. Oh, that's cool. I was going to say, I do know in the next campaign, I have learned the skill of shooting where they were to oh, hit yeah. almost every time. Yeah, this was a very educational one shot. Where they will be. <laughs> you got to follow the traje- trajectory. Works so much better. <laughs> you pretty much just aim the arrow wherever the fuck you want, according to Vegas. <laughs> Vegas couldn't hit anything <laughs> anywhere except for where the creature Not is. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I've never had it. <laughs> you know, a meaner DM would have imposed some type of disadvantage on you for doing yeah. the flavor of that aiming technique. That's, that's when you drink the blood, honey, man. That's when you. <laughs> yeah, you guys were hampered enough. <laughs> I was thinking that listening back, that Emily is being very gracious, letting him do that. <laughs> Not saying to roll at disadvantage or something. I was talking with Elena before we started recording, and there was one moment I was about where to I bring this up. was yep. annoyed, and I <laughs> yep. think I did well enough to mask my annoyance when we were in the first chamber with the spores, and I fire breath or burning hands, I think it was, and it, it didn't hands, yeah. set the whole chamber on fire because we weren't deep enough into the spores or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> We gotta get a trail so of oil. We gotta. I was so oh, annoyed. Oh, they can't the do moment. a deck save. We roll low. In my opinion, you shouldn't have made me roll an attack roll at all. That's why I was annoyed because I was like, I don't want to roll an attack roll, <laughs> and I and then I rolled an eight or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, like if you if you cast something where they do a dexterity check, and they're a stationary object, they should just auto fail. But right? it's also it's like how well are you performing the spell? Like, you could fizzle your spell. It's not just, you're not just missing. You could, if you don't, if you could, you could miss speak or stumble over the spell and you're not casting it perfectly. Oh, I mean, that's, yeah, but that's not part of, like, how the casting of the spell would would work if I was doing it against a, an opponent, right? So do you, do you think of a, a, an opponent saving on a dexterity save is more like something that the caster did? Is that how you interpret that kind of stuff? No, I think just in the situation, because they couldn't make a deck save. They auto-fail a deck save, in my mind. But would you have let me burning hands the trail of oil? Which I, I think I did, right? The oil, what's the difference between the oil and the spores? And I think, though, as we you, we said pretty quickly in the episode, like, it's more of, like, the concentration of this, like, flammable, uh, the, mm-hmm. the flammable spores in the air kind of thing, which which makes sense to me. Like, after, after obviously, after the fact, it totally, it did make sense. That it didn't like catch the whole room. It's like 
you know, when you or if something's like almost like oversaturated for for a flame or something or, or like gasoline needs a certain temperature or whatever to actually combust, or, you know, kind of thing. Now that I think about it, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird to think about spells that are only a save from the opponent. Mm -hmm. You made a call and you're the DM. Like we're, we totally played with it, right? But like in the after listening, listening back, I thought the same thing. Like, would they even need? I see where you're coming from. I don't. Yeah, I wasn't trying to shit on you, obviously, for for your skills or nothing. I just, I just remember being annoyed about you are the master because... dm master you you are oh, yes. you, uh, the master, master dm I, I, yes. uh, i'm just temporarily filling in here um <laughs> no i and i wasn't annoyed listening back i was more like huh i wonder why i think at the time i think it was because i was thinking and that's a lot of times to say think because it wasn't as concentrated towards the end of the of yeah. the room Right. So it like wasn't it was safe, powerful right? enough. Yeah, it wasn't powerful enough to penetrate farther enough in to go push to everything. What were the spores? Did anyone take damage from them or what did they do? I failed a con or some sort of save. I think it was a con save against them. You started to let your vision started to get affected by it. So it wasn't something flammable, which would have like helped in that situation. Like when you were in the queen's chamber, the flame the spores being in the air and using flame definitely caused the flame to do more damage mm -hmm. because of the spores but then the spores themselves i have to find it the spores in the air here create a truly dangerous condition that is readily recognizable to those who stop to ponder the situation you instantly recognize the multiple hazards caused by the spores in the air open flames in addition flame-based spells Cause the caster to be immediately engulfed in a similar fire with no chance to save, though they also cause double damage done to the target of the spell. I don't think I was quite that mean to you with the, no, the no, flames. I don't think so. In the finale, Blender was caught in like the last blast from Vegas's uh, after flame breath with the potion, right? Oh, <laughs> Although it did knock him out. Flame breath. But. Yeah. Inhalation causes a condition called fungal or a fungal condition fungal infection, sorry, called Sight Rot, which is in the Dungeon Master's Guide. So it looks like one, uh, one day after the initial infection, you get blurred vision, you take a negative one penalty to attack rolls and ability checks that rely on sight, and then at the end of each long rest, the penalty worsens by one. When it reaches negative five, you're blinded. Sight can be restored by uh, lesser restoration or heal. Or cured by a rare flower called eyebright, which grows in some swamps. I was cursed. <laughs> I'm like, speaking of conditions. Yeah. Yeah, how'd you like that ring you found? I roleplayed it, but it didn't like actually change anything. I mean, maybe I should have been avoiding groups of people more than I did. I don't know. I liked how you kept trying to get us to acknowledge that you had a problem. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, looking at the ring and all that, we just said, all right, let's go left. <laughs> you just feel extremely uncomfortable, right? <laughs> yeah, more and more people. uncomfortable around groups of people starting at maximum of 10. So you, I mean, you technically could have been fine for a month. <laughs> but I like, I like the way you played it, like, right away. You're like, uh, I'll just go hang out over here. Um. I just don't feel very comfortable right now. <laughs> it is interesting when there are items like that in 
in like a, a pre-written one shot or or even like when you're like awarded with cool things at the end of the one shot it's like right okay yeah cool this is dope <laughs> thanks but i would love like to use this five hours ago you know yeah, yeah. and you're awarded with five levels <laughs> right, so next one shot we get our rewards first i mean I, those are written so that the those one shots are supposed to be part of your main campaign right they're Little, mm, yeah, yeah. waylays. Sure. You're traveling from one place to another and you come upon this, but then you continue your campaign afterwards. But that's what I liked about this is you did get the Heartwood staff, something that could have helped you sure early could've. on. And you got the uh, the uh, flame <laughs> flame drink thing. The, yeah, the lava that was lamp. a good find. Holy. That was fun. Yeah, I like that. And that came in very handy. <laughs> you got knocked out right before you could use it. Oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> 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 Which end do you squeeze? <laughs> when you have really bad acid reflux, laying flat is the worst thing you can do. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure, big yes. talk, talk about uncomfortable. I'm sure when Biggest woke up. <laughs> Unconscious and his chest is burning. <laughs> Just all coming up into your throat. There's like oh. a red glow you can see like down his sternum like coming through his flesh. <laughs> it's like, ooh, something ain't right with this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so does that mean a health potion is like an antacid? Yes. Yeah. Very similar. <laughs> Very similar. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just like ground up tums in water. That's what a, right. a health potion is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a bunch of calcium. So, Emily, what kind of things did you do to like level this up to for us to have a party of level three characters? Uh, I just I gave everybody more hit points, and the Maltods were only supposed to have one attack. I gave him two claw attacks. Okay. Wow, that's it, eh? Which killed Biggest pretty quick. Yeah, those big those big ones were deadly. They hit hard, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you guys don't have very many hit points, it doesn't take much. And that's one thing I need to remember is level three is it's very easy to take you guys down. Yeah. I, I was looking at my, I have 21 hit points. I was just looking at my character. And you it doesn't take much. Didn't have a healer, and you didn't. I don't know if you had. I don't think you guys collectively had maybe one health potion, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, biggest had a health potion. Bill and I had second wind. The, the mushrooms gave you hit points one time, though. It was only effective once. I was worried that it was going to be too deadly. It was a little too much. I'm glad I tried the mushrooms, because then I could be like, "Hey, <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> Take these." Yeah, thank thank goodness for Galora's uh, sharp culinary instincts. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So this is what this is another thing we mentioned before we start recording. Like the first play session of something, we're like really honed into what our characters like. I'm like a foodie and all this stuff, and then the second half, it's like I forgot. <laughs> I forgot I was a foodie, and I leaned into the adrenaline junkie and came across as like a bored halfling the whole time or whatever. But it's really hard when you split up one shots because you're really not as attuned to your character and like what what was I even like? What did I sound like? What did I lean on? I mean, John had his biggest had his treasure, and then you, the two of you guys had blood honey. <laughs> right. It's it's good to have something, you know, that lean into your character. Mm-hmm. But but always try to have a fall of fault of some kind or something. 
How long did we? What was our break in between recordings on that? I think there was one. I don't think it was too bad. It wasn't like three weeks or something, right? You know what I mean? Like no, I'm I'm just dumb and forgot. So it wasn't like Archmage. <laughs> no, it wasn't like Archmage. <laughs> Archmage was its own thing. Even if we like, uh, you know, played that over three different like two hour sessions, that still would take a couple hour, a couple weeks to record, probably depending on schedules, right? So that's that's still a long time from the first. The first hour you've spent, right, as your characters versus the last hour. And uh, like, I mean, you mentioned, Lena, we were kind of chatting before we hit the record button about it feels like, you know, our one shots and maybe that's one shots in general have that ebb and flow of character, like, you know, really being enriched with the characters. And then Emily had mentioned before, it just kind of, I don't know if devolve is the correct, is really the right word. I think that maybe overstates the negative side of it, but eventually it just turns into like what it is, what, it, what many of these adventures are is, is a dungeon crawl. And then there's going to be lots of combat. Cause that's kind of the point. And that is also kind of the point of fifth edition in general, right? Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. In the beginning, it's, it's getting the story established and figuring out why you're there and who you are and what you're doing. And then you're fighting and crawling. Then there's a bad guy in the dungeon. Yeah. Yep. Well, and I think to if, to Elena's point though about kind of the 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 gaps in play, even if it's only a couple days, really I didn't I didn't kind of I didn't clue in until the scope of the the story or, or the the you know the lore of which the the one shot is kind of laid upon right the foundation of it until I was editing and then. I get to the point where we took our short rest in the room with all the scribbles and the scratches. And I'm like, okay, we've seen this. We've seen this. We're, I remember we're about to meet the queen. Right. So it literally was like what we were doing was literally inscribed onto that wall, which being able to listen to it, you know, if you can listen back to back to back, it was really cool. I thought it was, that was a great moment for us. And I don't know if we really as players appreciated it in the moment of us playing through that part. But I definitely appreciated uh, that that moment and that that reprieve we had to kind of absorb some of what exactly is going on with this hive and what's going on behind it and the events that led up to it being sealed and that kind of stuff, right? And and really hammering home how much of a threat the Maltods and the cinch bugs and the wasps are if these things are let are allowed to to get out. So I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, an interesting part of the module. Taste of your own medicine. <laughs> Taste of my <laughs> we own miss, medicine. Well, I'm just saying we miss so much of what you're like throwing at us until <laughs> sometimes we listen back. In the moment, it's easy. I was throwing stuff at you over a course of four and a half years. Emily was throwing it at us over a course of two weeks. You know what I mean? That's... That would be a massive wall. <laughs> that's a big wall <laughs> i did like the way the story was this story in general was written and told i thought it was an interesting story yeah i agree i think for for a one shot this had a, a pretty good amount of story incorporated into it which you don't always get in all one shots the goodman ones seem to have a lot of backstory that's what i was just saying you think this one had more than the other ones that you've done in the past then some of them, yeah, especially like the first one I did, the Clockwork Tower, and being new to being a DM also with that one, was, it was there wasn't as much story, there wasn't as much information, and 
I didn't know what I didn't know. I feel like if I had done that one again, I'd do better with it, but still there really wasn't much to that. Whereas this one feels like there was a world. There, there's a, a history and there's, there is more beyond this cavern system. I appreciated that. Because when I did Archmage, like the first two sessions was just stuff that I made up to set up the world. Because the other one, I think, was more just that, you know, just what was there in the in the, the hideaway kind of thing, which was fine. I mean, it was still real, well written and had a little bit of history and stuff in it. But I thought it left enough open for you to, as the DM, to sort of plug things in as you wish and and gave you key points, which I thought was, which I like. You could definitely expand on this module, like, and I believe all Goodman games are the same way is there is open areas where you could, if you wanted to, connect to something else. Like where you went into that great big cavern with the stalagmites and you met the carrion crawler. That I put that there. It was just open. for. They had some suggestions for different things like seeing the dryad crying and the acorns turn to dust. But otherwise it was open to whatever you wanted to put in there and you guys could have explored that for eternity. Or in the kobolds area, there were two tunnels going off there where the cobalts had been digging for years trying to get out. And you could have, uh, I could have expanded in there and put more stuff in there. And then over where on the left side of the map, there's, there's different things I could have added more into it if I had wanted to. It's very much like the old D&D modules. A lot of places they'd have a whole bunch of empty rooms or they'd have a thing that basically just said right on the module, uh, DM can decide what they want to do in this area and add on to it however they want to. They they tried to leave a lot of, because uh, they wanted you to build it. It was a lot about world building and they just give you key points to play off of. Because let's face it, you don't know what way the players are going to go and then you can just sort of pull something out of your ass when you need to and go, oh, yeah. that sounds gross. I mean, this way. That that allows <laughs> that that also allows the the GM to <laughs> to put something from another area where the players are nowhere near right into that that room as well. And I think also that's that's uh, interesting um, to me because of what Emily had you had said like these kind of you know uh, interlude adventures in like a main campaign like you could put insert this in. I think it it would be really interesting to. You know, depending on how your campaign's going, but maybe your, your your campaign would be in a position where the even if the party's in the underdark or something, but they came maybe they came across the other side of the tunnel those kobolds were digging, and they got into the yeah. hive from a completely different area, right? Right. Yeah. And experienced it kind of almost in almost backwards. Yeah, no, that's cool. For our home group, I'm going to be running us a, a mini campaign, and I'm actually taking four different one shots and stringing them together. And it's going to be somewhat railroady just because of levels, what levels each area is going to be. But I'm, I'm like weaving them so that they can flow from one thing to the next, from one story to the next. I mean, you did that for us with Bad Places as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Do you like modules where there's a little bit of gaps type thing? Do you guys prefer that? Um, you and John were kind of expanding on that. Or would you prefer to have more information and stuff you can, like, leave out? I think now that I've done it a few times, I like having areas where I could fill in if I want to. 
I like the the main story to be fleshed out. Um, I want the main part of it, the thing that's actually happening, to have the information it needs to have. But having little side areas where I can add more to it is is good. I think. What do you think, John? So I did uh, for our home group. I'd play. I did Castle Amber that uh, they upgraded to 5e, which is an old module from 1982 or whatever. And they expanded on it quite a bit. We played that for like a year and a year and a half or so. And I, what I didn't like about it, it was very, had a lot of things to do with the family, the Amber family and how everybody interrelated to everything. And sometimes it was relevant and important. And other times it was just story that really didn't have anything to do with anything else. But you had to always keep in mind, if this guy dies or if this thing happens, it could screw up something that's way down the line in the story. And that sort of hinders you and your ability. So now you got to sort of make sure the guy escapes or you got to do things that you normally probably wouldn't. So I prefer having a lot of leeway because you have the, the bullet points and then you go, oh, everything's really going to hell now. So I'm going to, I'm going to just, take it a different direction and I don't have to worry about it screwing a bunch of stuff up six up or, you know, six sessions down the line. Yeah. I haven't done more than a one shot to this point. I've that's the extent that I've done. I'm not like, so this mini campaign I'm doing for a home group will be the longest campaign I've done to date. I've not done an open world game yet. So I don't know how that would um, affect my thoughts on all that. Mm-hmm. Like, just if I were looking for a one-shot in the future, hopefully I'll DM again someday. N having less information, but something to get the juices flowing and, like, get your mind, like, the wheels turning seems like a, like, having a world lore to deal with seems like a better option. And then you just kind of fill it in as you can, or depending on what the group does, like John said, so... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you guys would come up with stuff that's better than what was written, so you just sort of go <laughs> with that, right? I just maybe can't this imagine. Maybe this guy is this guy. Yeah. Go, yeah, he is now. <laughs> I just can't imagine, like, enjoying being a DM that's like, one second, you have a question, and, like, flipping through 30 pages to find the lore on this, that, or in, like, really following, like, a super regimented uh, system. Leyland, have you run a, I think you've answered this before, but have you run a module at all? Um, no. Something pre-written? No. Um, like when we did the company, that's that was the first pre-written kind of adventure I'd ever uh, ran before. I I also did um, or at Origins I picked up uh, level seven Goodman Games adventure. I forget what the name of it, which um, seems really interesting. I think it has a, I think it has a lich or something in it that I would like to run. Yeah, I would love to run for the show, and I've I have read through it, and I I don't I don't. No, so I think the problem with like what you're saying, Elena, and and it's only going to be a problem for certain people is like y you can sit down and write an adventure module with, uh, you know, gaps in it intending for the person running the game to fill in on their own, but obviously not everyone's going to like that. People are some people would prefer to have everything laid out for themselves. And I think like with the, you know, with the, the Amber family and if one NBC dies here six hours later, content is now basically missing because of that death. That's mm -hmm. not a very well written. That doesn't sound like a very well written module. You know, you know what I mean? Like that doesn't that's seem fair. very, yeah. that's not good. Well, there like a, for that example, there was, and it wasn't, a lot of things weren't game breaking, but there were things like you found 
uh, heads in this one room. And then what probably would be on the other side of the castle, five sessions later, you find headless bodies in another area. And, you know, they're connected and you find out there's a piece of information that lets you know that these people were those people and it's important. And if they don't ever go in the headroom, you got to modify that. And, you know, that's probably not a good example, but you know what I mean? There's people that you have to meet. They give you a piece of information that will make it relevant later on. And that piece of information can't come from a random NPC. It has to come from their brother or it wouldn't make sense. Or a head full of room, right. a room full of heads. Yeah. Right. You're right. Exactly. Full of rooms. I got a head full of room. Let me tell you. <laughs> so you can work around it. It just makes, I think what I'm getting at is if it's written in a certain way and you go by the rules of the module and you do it, you know, without having any kind of leeway, it's going to be really difficult and frustrating. You got to have ability to, to modify and move uh, yeah. a lot more. I think. Yeah. You need flex. I think willing willingness to improv and you know go down a path that isn't laid out in the module is is probably I mean some people probably have it that ability more naturally than others but the more you run the game the more comfortable people are likely to become with that I would imagine it scares me quite a bit like so I would probably lean more toward having a lot more of the skeleton and meat on the bones and then less room for things to me to have to sort of roll with whatever happens. But that's also because I am generally not great at thinking on my feet really quickly and also have not GM'd very much. I think it comes with time. You start out with the very well-written and follow it. And then as you do it more, you start realizing, hey, this would be cool if I just change this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, then, and you get comfortable. I still am not comfortable when I DM most of the time anyway. I would guess part of it too is that the more times you've ran adventures, the more inspiration you have to pull from, right? Like you can you can borrow from, from previous games you've run if there was something that was interesting or fun and just tweak it a little bit and add it into the game you're running right now if it makes sense. I can tell you this, the more you run the same adventure, the more comfortable you get with it. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it makes me really happy to know that you got to experience that and we got to benefit from that. (laughs) And our friends that played it at IPCon loved it. So some of them were first timers too. So like a good adventure to like sort of learn it through. And I remember hearing your alarms going off from the other room. Uh, we had a comment. Did anyone else become concerned about Emily when she took on the crazy screaming personas? Yes. Nah, typical day. <laughs> we were playing yeah, another cool. one shot, and we hear from the pool table room just like screaming I Emily. I was <laughs> louder at IPCon than I was on the recording for sake of your ears. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's pretty good. Lost my voice at IPCon. <laughs> It made me real curious what was going to happen. But when our play session came to that point, I realized what we had heard <laughs> at IPCon. <laughs> was it the awooga? Yeah, the <laughs> Man, I don't know where I was because I didn't overhear Emily yell. I heard people talking about Emily yelling, <laughs> but I didn't hear. Em- I don't know where I was. But We were playing the ship one shot. Like adjacent to where she was while she was yelling. Where were you? You were there. 
Uh, I wasn't in that game. Um, I wasn't oh, me. Oh, okay, okay. John, Bill, and I were then. <laughs> it was a big cabin, so I was probably on the other end of we it. came inside, <laughs> the power was out. Yeah, it was... I think I surprised everybody when I started yelling <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> It would have been so loud for people up close to you. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> the power going out, though, that was actually, we were down in the caves in the game and the power went out so like we had emergency lighting but it was all dim it was pretty cool actually <laughs> and uh i mean for for the physical game you kind of went all out for preparing the game for them didn't you emily i did i had fun i had fun with that i made a whole map um foam 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 boards for the map and then i made uh cut out the styrofoam or the what's it called hun the pink foam cordage uh insulation foam and I made uh, stalagmites, and I made a dead dryad, and <laughs> all kinds <laughs> of stuff. I really had fun with that. We got to see the cool things, but then never used them when we played virtually. Sad. But now you can play with them, too. Really? What? what? How? Tell us more. On our website, theincorrigibleparty.com, there is a giveaways page, and on that page is a Forgotten Hive page where you can enter to win all the map pieces, the dead dryad, tree piece, a little bit of uh, the keep that I made, and the stalagmites. And maybe all some that. blood honey. And, and the module, right? <laughs> yes, and the module. That's that's kind of important. <laughs> no, no, here's, here's yeah, the yeah, map. Module. <laughs> you have to figure out how to play that a little bit. You can yeah. listen back to us going through it and have the map on the table. <laughs> And have your mini <laughs> Oh, they're here. <laughs> yeah. The details are meaningless. Yeah. Oh, move Chetbar up three spaces. <laughs> <laughs> the, the giveaway starts the day that you're hearing this. If you're hearing it on Monday, November 9th, uh, not 19th, 13th. All our patrons are, are already automatically entered, but right, so you can chances. enter. And yep. Yep. if you use the keyword blood honey, you'll get an One additional word. entry. <laughs> We'll accept However you want to spell it. Space. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not case sensitive. You do have to cap. No, no, you have to capitalize Blood Honey. It's Blood Honey! Blood Honey. Blood Honey. <laughs> All caps. <laughs> Go to our giveaways page, win the module, win Emily's awesome uh, set design, and it's open for the next week, right? Yep. Seven days. So go enter. Free shipping, too. We should probably say that. Free shipping I, anywhere I in the world. Sh- ship it to you. We love <laughs> Let me ship it to Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will. I will ship it to you. That'll be a really, really cool uh, prize to win. I'm sure. I know you put a ton of effort into it. And it looks fantastic. I might just enter myself. Actually, <laughs> we had a comment about my fairy fire uh, fizzling a little bit, if you will. <laughs> You're just obsessed with playing that. fighters that cast spells. Let hey, you're just, just lucky Emily didn't make your roll an attack roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? She let us, she let us all have a, a flask bit. of oil. Oh, middle fingers in the camera. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not one to um, to shy away from trying to use a spell in a, in a way that it's not really intended to be used and see if the DM will let me do it, so... Kudos to Emily for shutting that down. <laughs> believe it was Leland that shut it down, and I just mimicked him. It was fun. Well, yeah. I'm really happy that this came out after the campaign ended. Like, this was such a good little one-shot to just sort of like, 
little palate cleanser. It was good content, hilarious, enjoyable to listen to. Great job, Emily. Thanks. Yeah, um, yeah, you I killed think it. I think it's a good way to sort of segue out of Aspara, even though my heart still hurts a little bit about that. <laughs> you know? It's pronounced segue. <laughs> oh, <laughs> caverns and sourns and segues. Segues. Oh dear. Uh, we are streaming uh, Sundays. Emily and I are streaming again on uh, John M. IPE. Yep. We're uh, currently doing an RPG, uh, like a little choose-your-own-adventure type thing. And we have a number of other ones uh, lined up in the future. So hopefully we'll be able to Ooh. keep doing that. Are they ones that I also don't own so I can watch? Did <laughs> <laughs> you say you're going to keep the time 12 Eastern? On Sundays, just to yeah, sort of... that's easiest for us. Yeah, twelve Eastern on Sundays. It's a it's a, it's a good time. I love watching you guys banter. John sound effects. <laughs> oh, John's got the whole tune in for John sound effects. Yeah, he doesn't need f- fully acting too. Do don't it? don't forget the acting because you you get to see me. He's climbing <laughs> ladders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes hand motions and, and, and sound effects. It's like reading a book for a three-year-old, you know? <laughs> hey, you, just, you got to pander to your audience. That's, I mean, he occasionally know. looks at the camera like, what do cows say? And you go, moo. Come on, the audience three years old? Or are you calling me three years old? Uh, Who's a three-year-old the, in this The scenario? audience, the audience. Oh, okay. Well, that's always good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you gotta be like, now what does the chicken say? So if you want to be talked down to, come on on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday's at 12 Eastern. Alright, we wrapping it up then? With a bow. I've been John and Biggest. I'm Elena, I play Galora. I've been Bill, I played Chedbar. I've been Leland Steele, I've played Blender. And I'm Emily, and I did everybody else. <laughs> Wait, that didn't Happy sound right. Happy adventuring. <laughs> Happy adventuring. Happy adventuring. <laughs> or, you know, just an adventure. You know, good answer, good answer. Blood honey adventuring. This has been a Sounds of Steel production. Are you willing to ship it worldwide? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll ship it. I mean, it's going to be... Like, as long as I don't have to do it three times and send it to Leland, it'll be it's fine. Light, at least. It, it's it'll be cheap. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. We just won't let Super McDad win. <laughs> 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 if we pull his name, he doesn't win. It's as simple as that.